0: quarterly report what is going on beautiful people another week another episode of the quarterly report podcast i am your host Armand lee and man fun show in store for you guys this week we are down to the final four in the nfl playoffs three of the final head coaches are among the best minds in the sport with one sean mcveigh ushering a new generation of coaches and i kind of have a problem with that i'm going to discuss a little bit later plus they're really about to ruin the legacy of one of the greatest american works of art that we have ever had and i don't know how i feel about it you know what i'm talking about well if not hang tight we'll get to that in quarter number three all that and so much more but first our number one topic this week topic this week first quarter we have officially crossed the halfway point of the nba season and we're fast approaching the nba all-star game but once again i'm going to turn to the team closest to my home the team that has been ripped right out of the soap operas of course i'm talking about the (laughs) washington happy new year Armand. i missed you first off don't ever tell me you miss me devil Secondly, you're looking quite gross, disgusting, and awful to start the
1: new year. Oh, you noticed. (laughs) New year, new me. I'm trying so hard to keep up this disgusting figure. It's a lot of hard work. All right, man, whatever. What are we playing Devil's
0: Advocate for this week? Okay,
1: this one is right up your alley. This week, I want you to play Devil's Advocate for the Washington Wizards trading... Your favorite player, Bradley Beer. <laughs> nah,
0: nah, nah, nah. You are such a jerk. Look, I've been down this road before. I'm not doing this. Give me another. Give me another topic to do.
1: If I've done my research correctly, it seems for the past six seasons you've been pleading for the Wizards to trade them. So how come you don't want to do it anymore? <sighs> All right, bro. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh. I don't know if the Wizards want to do this. I don't know no. if the Wizards Stop. should. No, 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 no! we're not qualifying this take with any, I wouldn't do this, or if the Wizards decided that's not how we play the game, Armand, don't make me upset, I'd hate for this furlough to last a few more weeks. Ah, damn, man, you a jerk.
0: Alright, <clears throat> get my thoughts together. The Washington Wizards moving forward need to have a long, hard honest discussion with themselves. Coming into this season, I've been on the record of being against it, but you all heard the noise. Wizards, the Wizards brass, Wizards fans, Wizards media, all of them were talking about how this year they could compete. This year, they had learned from past mistakes in the past. And this year, now that LeBron James is gone, is different that the Wizards going to be right up there with the celtics the raptors the sixers and the bucks and that they were going to compete the owner ted leonson said 50 wins no excuses eastern conference championship appearance again they keep on putting the bar the raptors the sixers the celtics all of those guys were talking about winning a championship the wizards are just like get to 50 wins get to a conference championship or well, whatever but the wizards felt that they were amongst the east's elite a lot of people people who probably have deleted some of these tweets people who jumped in my mentions agreed and then the beginning of the season happened and the wizards were among the worst teams in the league so when i say the washington wizards organization the washington Wizards fan base need to have a long hard look in the mirror they need to ask themselves that assuming John wall comes back healthy, which at this point is a large assumption. I think it's a fair assumption, a safe assumption that Dwight Howard does come back because he has a back surgery, but he has a player option next year, a $5.5 million player option, I believe. So assuming the same core of John wall, Dwight Howard, Otto Porter, Yan Mahimi and Bradley Beal come back. That is the foundation that you have because everybody else and Troy Brown Jr., excuse me, everyone else are on expiring contracts. You have to have a minimum of 14 players. Do you think the core of Wall, Beal, Otto, Troy Brown, Dwight Howard and Yan Mahimi is something that can, can compete? with the best in the East, even the middle teams in the East, i.e. the Indiana Pacers, because I don't. There have been some promising players to come this season, Thomas Bryant being the main one. The Washington Wizards are already over the cap with six players on their roster. They are already over the cap. Now, through a a stroke of genius, They have Thomas Bryant's rights so they can go over the cap to re-sign him. And the most that a team can spend, I believe, is the full mid-level, which I think projections have at a roughly about nine point nine million dollars. Let's just say nine million. But if you're Ted Leonsis in this team. And four out of the three of the last four years on pace would either miss the playoffs two times and losing the first round or lose in the first round twice and miss the playoffs with one year. Then went seven games in the second round versus the Boston Celtics. Is that a team that you want to spend this much money on already over the cap? You got to fill out the roster. Cause again, you got to have at least 14 players on the team. They've got six guys already under contract over the cap. This team as constructed, cannot win that's that's the point that i come to right that's the conclusion that i have made as constructed this washington wizards team cannot win forget about john john is a huge forget about john's health i should say john's contract is a huge reason why otto's contract is a huge reason why yana mahimi's contract is a huge huge reason why this team is paying a lot of money to players who are not top tier elite the problem is john for the second year in a row is hurt you can't move john wall's contract you probably you may have been able to move it earlier in the year and you may be able to move it next season even though i doubt that next year you'll be able to move it because there'll be questions about how durable he will be John Wall comes back, bounces back and plays amazing basketball next season. Then, yeah, maybe you can move it. But I think teams are going to want to see him play for a full year before they would even think about training. I know you could move him, but I don't think you're going to get young pieces back. Because remember, the Wizards are already over the cap. They also still have to fill out the majority of their roster for next season. So just getting rid of Otto Porter's contract is not going to help you. If you move, remove, if you trade Otto Porter for an expiring, you will approximately then be $19 million under the cap or something, $15 million under the cap. Try dividing 15 million by eight. It's less than 2 million on average per person. It's not a really good move. You're not going to be able to fill your roster with enough talented players to compete. So just moving auto doesn't help. If you were to trade Otto for an expiring and then stretch Jan Mihimi, you would have approximately $29 million of cap space. But again, then you would need to fill out nine players, right? Because you would have lost Otto for an expiring and then you would stretch Jan Mihimi, meaning you need nine more players to get to 14, 29 divided by nine. Think about it. It's about three point some odd million dollars, approximately $3 million in change. How many good players are you going to get for around $3 million? Because again, the core of Wall, Brad, Dwight, and whatever, that is currently on this roster, Troy Brown Jr. is not good enough. It's not good enough. They're not good enough to be the Raptors. They're not good enough to be the Celtics or the Sixers or the Bucks. They're also not good enough to be the Pacers. I don't think they're good enough to be the the Heat and the damn sure aren't gonna be good enough to beat the, the Nets who have max amount of money available next season. And we're seeing what the Nets are doing this year with Karis Levert missing most of the season. The one piece that the Wizards have that they can flip and not only get back young picks or young players prospects, but also get picks because that's the beauty of it, right? You need all these roster spots filled and the best way to fill them with players with upward talent with players who will get better the more you play them is with picks or players on rookie contracts. Who is the one player on this team that can get you a talented player, a pick and a prospect? Who's the guy on this team right now who could answer almost all of your issues moving forward? Remember, you need young talent to fill out your roster because you're already over the cap. You also would love to have picks just in case you made other moves. And who's the other player on this team who could who could, bring you a return of a player who's already capable playing at a high level right now? John can't get you that. Ido can't get you that. I don't think you could get a second round pick from Marquise Morris right now. I don't think you could get a second round pick for Dwight Howard right now. As it stands, in my opinion, you've got a few assets. Jeff Green could get you a pick. Maybe a second round, maybe a heavy protected first, depending on how desperate a team is. But Jeff is playing his best basketball. He can snatch you something. Trevor Ariza, apparently there was a high demand for him. I don't know if that demand still exists because he hasn't played well consistently since coming to Washington. Thomas Bryant, absolutely. Could get you something in return. But the player who could get you the most is Bradley Bill. He's the only one. You You could ask for a King's ransom for Bradley Bill. And you could receive it. Now, I'm talking about reasonable. They're going to get like two all stars and two first round picks. Nah, you can't do that. But you could get creative. If you value having a lot of prospects, Bradley Bill, multiple prospects. Like, I think you could get two picks and a prospect and a player. Two prospects a pick and a player or something other some other type of combination i look i'm not even certain that if you you could use bradley bill to move Yan Mihimi and be like yo just give me a good player and one pick I, I think that that probably could do it to a team who has the space now there are not that many teams who would be able to absorb that that easily but think of it like this The wizards find themselves in the driver's seat right now with Bradley bill, they control where the bus is going, who gets off first, where they get off and where's the next destination. They have all the leverage. If they have even the slightest bit of doubt that Brad will resign in two years. The longer they are driving, the longer we go until his free agency. The more Washington moves away from the driver's seat and ultimately ends up at the back of the bus. If the Wizards have a long, hard conversation, honest conversation about where they are as an organization, where they are as it pertains to the Eastern Conference power structure and how best to move forward. You can't move John Wall's contract. I don't think you move it for a whole, th- the entirety of 2019. I think it's that's certain. You can move Ido, but Ido is only going to bring you cap relief. And that cap relief that you get from Ido is only small because you've got so many positions that you need. The only player who changes the trajectory of terms of the team, the core of this team, if you were to move them, is Bradley Bill. Damn devil, man, you an asshole for that one, bro. I have literally gone years talking about moving Brad and the moment. I back off of my stance on moving Brad. You make me do this. Oh man. Like hopefully I don't see you for a few more months. Man.
1: Very good. Armand. It seems like you've had a lot of history talking about why the Wizards should trade Bradley Beal. No. <laughs> anyway, I've got to go enjoy Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs>
0: All seriousness, though, the Bradley Bill discussion is is fascinating. You know, I joked about it earlier, but it does merit me kind of bearing this and, and and kind of underlying this point. There have been three players who have made my projections. Made me look foolish, right? My projections on these three players have made me look far and away dumber than I actually Am, you know, or at least that i like to believe that I am. Number one is Steph Curry. I'm not mad at Steph Curry making me look dumb because coming out of Davidson, I didn't think he was going to be. I didn't think he was going to be a special player, let alone one of the greatest players of all time. Right. But honestly, I don't think anyone. I shouldn't say anyone. I don't think most players thought Steph Curry was going to be special. Nobody thought Steph Curry was going to be what he is now. I don't care who you are. No one could have thought that that kid coming out of Davidson was going to be a top 10 player of all time. Nah. Right? So I don't mind being made a fool by Steph Curry because Steph Curry made a fool of everyone. Okay? So i wear that hat. Number two was Blake Griffin. I thought Blake Griffin was going to be soft. I thought he was going to be a sucker. I forget. They played Morgan State in the tournament game and this dude from Morgan State, man, bodied him and Blake just walked on by. I was like, eh, that, that rose me the wrong way. At that moment I knew Blake. He had the crazy goofy little redhead haircut. I like Slim. Nah, Joe, he ain't it. And initially I was wrong, but then I was kinda right. You know, Blake is really good. He's better than I ever thought he was gonna be. So I gotta take that L. But like that's the L that depending on how much energy I have, I'll still fight on that L. So it's an L, but I don't mind wearing that hat either. Bradley Bill is number three on this list, and he is rising with, on a, with a rocket. Dog, I there was a time, no lie. I was saying that Bradley Bill was a bust. <laughs> I was saying that Bradley Bill was a bust, and I'm comfortable in my own skin to wear that hat. I was a fool. I was wrong. Bradley Bill is so much better than I ever thought he would would be. And then each year I'm thinking, ah, well, you know what? Maybe he's not going to be as good as everybody thinks he is. And maybe he'll come back down to earth. And because I always have this still piece of doubt. And every year he makes me look dumb. So I'm done. I am done counting out Bradley Bill. It's over. I'm not going to do it ever again. I don't. Necessarily think the Wizards should trade Bradley Bill. In fact, the more he's playing recently, the more I'm rocking with they shouldn't trade him. However, this is interesting, and I want everyone to to kind of partake in this thought exercise with me. Okay, I don't know how sustainable this clip of Bradley Beal is playing. Because Bradley Bill, over the last 10 to 15 games, depending on how much you guys you know, we can make an argument over the 15 games, but over the past 10 games, he's been playing phenomenal, phenomenal basketball. And I do think, especially if the Wizards end up making the playoffs, even though it would be in the East, I do think we are likely looking at the, the, possib- the probability that Bradley Bill makes an all NBA team. Now, I don't know the CBA in and out like that. I don't know if the Wizards would be able to offer a Supermax to Bill because of their cap situation. I'm not sure. I'm not certain. But in the hypothetical, let's just say that they could. Wizards fans, basketball fans, people who just like to do, like I said, these thought exercises. If you're the Wizards and Bradley Bill makes the all NBA team, do you offer him a supermax this offseason? Let me paint the picture. Bradley Bill is on a tear. And if he if any, I don't know if he can continue this pace of play, but every time I think the regression is coming to Bill's game, he gets better every single time. There are there's several play several different sources who have have floated the idea that Bradley Bill is not happy in D.C., one of whom is a source that I I swear by and that I would absolutely believe a a frequent guest on this show, mind you. And he has said for years now that Bill is not happy in D.C. But Bradley Bill, if he makes an all-NBA team, would be in a position to make more money ever than he could, like, ever imagine like he could sign the contract this offseason get the extension done and that money is in the bank we're talking about a new father here a new father whose entire professional career he's a he's a grown man now came into DC as a teenager starting a family with someone who's been in this area for a long time has roots here his whole family lives here You know, it's easy to say, man, you know what? You can pass that money. Passing approximately 38 to $40 million a year on average, that's hard to do, especially when you consider nobody plays more minutes than Bill thus far over the last two seasons. I want to say he's played more NBA minutes than any other player in the league over the last two seasons. And then when you couple that, with his injury history, despite the fact that he has been the model of kind of the Iron Man model of the NBA, he doesn't miss games anymore, right? And he plays crazy minutes now. The injury history is in his past, but it is still in his past. You think he's going to turn down the opportunity on average of 39 to $40 million a year? Would you offer it to him? Because offering the extension early is exactly what got the Wizards in this predicament as it is. That's how we got here with John's contract. Would the Wizards have learned from that mistake? It is also fair to say that Beal's game is completely different than John's. John's game is predicated on athleticism, explosiveness, and obviously as you approach age 30, your body just doesn't have it anymore. And little by little, slowly by, you know, slowly, slower and slower, you start to see John's body start to fail him. It starts with the knees, then it's to the feet. God knows what else it'll be. Bill's game isn't predicated on athleticism the way John's is. John, Bill's game, you would expect to age much better than John's game does. And here's another thing. What if you're Bradley Bill? And maybe you don't know if you would sign an extension or not. But you, in many people's eyes, would be the main catalyst of making the Wizards go to the playoffs the last two years without John Wall, right? Imagine if you're Bradley Bill and Bradley Bill's agent and people in Bradley Bill's circle, and the Wizards don't offer you a Supermax contract, even though they rushed. To offer John Wall a supermax contract. Don't you think that? And I'm not saying Bill and John have beef. I don't, I think that's not the case at all. But just because you don't have beef with somebody doesn't mean that tension can grow. Egos do exist. And if you are an agent of Bill and you look like, hold on. Y'all gave this dude a supermax contract, and he's the reason why our future is so handicapped right now. And my client is playing better and leading us to the playoffs without the help of this guy. And y'all mean to tell me y'all not gonna offer him a Supermax? Don't think that if Bill gets a Supermax this year, it's going to be kind of like the new norm. Right now, as it stands, the only three players, there's gonna be six guards selected to the All-NBA roster. Locks, James Harden, Steph Curry, Dame, Damian Lillard. Like those three guys are, pencil it in the three other spots and i absolutely think bradley bill is among those three i don't think there's any player that can say with any bit of confidence that they are a lot to get a three over Beal. but moving forward brad can't just expect to be an all nba player again russell westbrook is having one of the worst years of his career even though he's still averaging a triple double Klay Thompson, despite the fact that he can still get nuclear hot, is having one of the worst seasons of his career. Jimmy Butler now is playing a four position. Does he go back to a two guard if he goes to uh, to a new team? All of these things factor in. Also, I don't know if you guys are paying attention, but Luka's coming. I don't know if you guys are paying attention. De'Aaron Fox is coming. Ben Simmons is coming. Bill nor his agents should take for granted that an all NBA team is a likelihood. No. You strike where the iron is hot. So, for you listeners out there, if you're the Wizards, would you offer a Supermax contract to Brad? Even knowing that when you guys did it in the previous, in the past. It has led to this predicament that they're in now. Because here's the thing. If you're the Wizards and you choose not to offer Bradley Bill a Supermax extension this offseason if he makes an all NBA team, then I have to ask why won't you trade him? If you have whether you whether he accepts the contract or not, you have clarity. Meaning. If I offer Bradley Beal a supermax contract this off season and he signs it, boom, I'm good. I know I now am building around Beal and every move that I make, I'm going to make sure he feels welcomed. He feels empowered. And I'm going to let eh, embrace him in terms of being a, a franchise player. And then we have to find a way to make John and Brad work until I can move John. It gives me clarity if I offer Bradley bill a super contract this off season, and he says, no, then I know I have to move him next season because we've seen time and time again, when you have a player who does not want to be there and he enters his contract year, you have zero leverage zero. And the best that you can hope for is getting Robert Covington for Jimmy Butler. The best you could hope for is getting a past this prime DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. You're not going to get equal value. It's just not going to happen. You may look into a Victor Oladipo Sabonis for Paul George. You may look into that. Or, or you may trade, you know, you may make one of these awful trades that happen all the time when you trade a legit. Star, you may end up trading James Harden for Kevin Martin. You know. The Wizards need to know what they what which way to move. It starts with them having a hard, long conversation with themselves, but then finding out how they how they value Bill. And does Bill value playing in D.C.? Those are the next two steps because once you have those three answers, once you realize where you stand in the Eastern Conference, once you realize that Bradley Beal is or is not someone that you would be willing to have a super max contract attached to, and then once you realize if Bill wants it from you or if he wants to do, see and play the field and see if he can control his own destiny, once you have those three answers, everything is clear. Everything is clear and moving forward is easy. The time on the Wizards starts now because every game Bradley Beal plays at this rate, his trade value skyrockets. The likelihood of him making an All-NBA team skyrockets. His earning potential starting this offseason skyrockets and you guys become on the clock. Woo! I'm glad I'm not the person making that decision, but I'm also sad for all the Wizards fans and friends, friends and family members that I have. who Love the Washington Wizards. I feel for you because the guy who is being paid to make those decisions, of course, is Ernie Gronfield. All right, guys, let me know what you guys think on that. I'm super curious. Tweet at me at quarterly show on twitter at q-u-a-r-t-e-r-l-e-e show again let me know would you offer bradley bill a supermax contract this offseason if he makes the all nba team would you do it knowing what happened with the john wall decision knowing that he actually probably may want to leave in two years how would you do it and if he says no or if you decide that you wouldn't do it would you trade him i'm curious to see what you guys say also email me your your answers to that question or anything else you want to discuss, on um, email them to me, excuse me, at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Again, quarterly, Q U A R T E R L E E, report at gmail.com. All right, guys, that's a super long first quarter, but don't worry, we're going to bounce back with another topic, our second topic this week. Second. Quarter. We all know that the NFL is a copycat league, but yo, that shit got to stop now. It's got to stop because it doesn't matter how it manifests where it manifests or how ridiculous the explanation is, but it just go it, it just has no end this weekend we will see two conference championship games We'll see New England play at Kansas City we will see. The Los Angeles Rams play at the New Orleans Saints. This marks Bill Belichick's multiple different time appearance at a conference championship game. Andy Reid making multiple appearance in a championship game. Sean Payton making multiple appearance in a championship game. But the first time for Sean McVay, sean mcveigh is the new kid on the block sean mcveigh is kind of like the the turning of the tide right the passing of the torch we'll see if sean mcveigh and the, the wonder kid himself the man who's got the entire league turned upside down trying to find the next him although he's 35 he's younger than me he's the guy trying to break through kind of the establishment if you will sean payton Multiple time coach and then conference championship game. Andy Reid, obviously, he he went to four straight NFC championship games in the 2000s. He's already been to a Super Bowl. And then, obviously, Bill Belichick, God knows how many times he's been to an AFC championship game. And of course, because the NFL is a copycat league. Two weeks ago, everyone was trying to find the next Sean McVay. So all these coaches who got hired, they were talking about, hey, he did this on Sean McVay's staff. Or he worked with Sean McVay here. Or they're good friends with Sean McVay. And I'm just thinking to myself, when does it end? I've talked long and long about the narratives that that exist in all these sports these tired cliches specifically in the NFL that if you just touch it just scratch it a little bit you see it all falls apart because it's made of paper mache you need a quarterback to now it's it's I don't know if you paid attention this week now it's the NFL is different now defenses don't win championships. You need an offense to win. The offense is more important than defense. And now it's at a fever pitch. And I just caution everyone. No. Right? Yes, this year, this year, three out of the four teams who are in the final four, if you will, have a a below average defense when it comes to yards allowed. That is true. The Saints are 14th. They're the only team of these final four who have a a better than average defense in terms of yards allowed. This is the first, however, because last year, last season, last season, you had in the final four, the Jaguars, the Patriots, the Vikings, the Eagles. Three of those four teams were in the top five, top five in yards allowed, defensively, opponents. Five of, four of them, all four of them were top five in points allowed, defensive points allowed. Does anyone remember saying, hey, you don't you need a defense to win last year? Did anyone remember saying, okay, guys, we're doing this all wrong? Quarterbacks don't mean anything now. You just need the best defense, you need an ultimate defense. Full disclosure, I was saying after last season, hey guys, we need to start looking at this quarterback market and realize there is an inefficiency here. That we are placing far more importance on that position than everything else when there's more than one way to skin the cat. But because we're in a copycat league now, and three of the four teams in this championship Sunday, right, are below average on defense in terms of yards allowed. Mind you, the Patriots, they're also a top, I think they're a top team in terms of points allowed defensively. They don't want to say that. We skew it to how we want it to look. So, okay, whatever. I'll rock with it. The Saints are the only team who will be playing on Sunday who, who have a above-average defense in terms of yards allowed. They're the only one. Mind you, I think the odds are they're the— I would choose the Saints this week over the, any other, of the three teams. If I had to bet on one team making the Super Bowl, the one team I'm betting on is the Saints. I think I'm not alone on that one, but whatever, right? But I'll give you that. Three out of the four this year are below average defensively in terms of yards. All four of them, or I'm sorry, three out of the four last year were top five. Top five in defensive yards allowed. All four of them were top five in terms of points allowed. So if anything, you would say, let's go back more. Let's acquire more data, correct? Two years ago, two years ago, the New England Patriots and the the Pittsburgh Steelers were in the AFC Championship game. They were two of the better defense, yards and points allowed. Conversely, in the NFC Championship game two years ago, the Falcons and the Packers were two of the worst. So again, we have a split. So a reasonable person would say, okay, this year, three out of the four, last year, three out of the four, the opposite way. Two years ago, two this way, two that way. We need more information. Guess who went to the Super Bowl three years ago? The number one defense versus the number two defense, the Panthers versus the Broncos. Guess who went to the Super Bowl four years ago? The number one defense, the Seattle Seahawks versus the number two defense. The New England Patriots. (laughs) Like the further you go back the year before that, Seattle won the Super Bowl. Number one defense. The year before that, the Ravens played the 49ers. Two top five defenses. The further you go back, the stronger the argument for me is. Yet we don't live in a a generation, despite the fact that we're so-called in the information age, quote unquote, we don't like consuming information. It's just whatever we get now, whatever we feel now, whatever is happening now, that's the thing. Y'all Bama's still walking around with phones on your watches. Don't know how stupid you look. Y'all Bama's about to buy $300 shoes that tie themselves. Why? Because that's the thing. Don't know how stupid y'all look. And here the NFL, We're filled with smart people, Get on their television shows. Get on their radio shows. Get on their platforms and talking about, hey, guys, defense is done. Defense is done now. Mind you, who would be shocked if it's New England versus New Orleans on Super Bowl Sunday when it comes to points allowed defenses? Those would be the two teams this season playing in Conference Sunday who are above average. I don't understand this, but to tie it back all the way around, it's a copycat league. And now everyone wants Sean McVay. So you get Sean McVay light in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. And I don't mind that Kyle Shanahan is an amazing offensive coordinator. He has shown to be one on several different stops. And I do think he's going to be a very good head coach once his guy is healthy. Jimmy Garoppolo. Matt Nagy. Sean McVay light. He did an amazing job in Chicago this year, and he paid his dues, OC, in Kansas City, right, went to Chicago, very creative, boom, that worked, but he had merit, he had history, he had a resume, Cliff Kingsbury, God bless him, bro, God bless him, what, he failed in college. As a head coach, he took a job as an OC at USC and then flipped that without having a day of actual, a game, a practice. He flipped that to a head coaching job. Now, this is not a discussion about the Rooney rule, diversity in coaches. I'm not touching that. I hope Cliff Kingsbury does well. I'm not rushing hate on anybody, but Slim. What has he shown anyone that would say he can be a head coach at the professional level? He couldn't coach at Texas Tech, and the thing in Texas Tech was, hey, man, he can't pick the right coordinator. I'm sorry. What the hell is he going to be asked to do at the pros? Who's picking the defensive coordinator in Arizona? Who are you going to ask to do that? Larry Fitzgerald, he's doing everything else. Here's the issue that I have with Cliff Kingsbury, with all these guys, these young kids, the young head coaches who have some type of connection to Sean McVay because everybody wants to find the next Sean McVay. What's wrong with having a guy be your coordinator? What's wrong with having Cliff Kingsbury be the coordinator, the offensive coordinator at Arizona? Why does he have to be a head coach? What has he done to show anyone that he can coach? At the college level, at the Bay time level, let alone in the pros. What is he shown? Patrick Mahomes is looking amazing. He couldn't win with him. He didn't want Baker Mayfield. This is two of the best young quarterbacks in the game. If you can't win in college with Pat Mahomes, what the hell are you going to do in the pros with Josh Rosen? Stop it. Also, let's not forget, Pat Mahomes came into the league and had to redshirt his rookie season. All these other quarterbacks play their first year. They had to work with Mahomes. So the idea that Cliff Kingsbury is this quarterback guru, then why did Pat Mahomes need a redshirt? You know? The NFL is so lazy. And when, when I start thinking about how we do this offense versus defense thing, and how we do, hey guys, let's just find the next carbon copy of Sean McVay, it then starts to make me question everything when it comes to the league. Everything. And then look, I, I understand I'm I'm just I'm a bit contrarian that way. I, and this is not manufactured, I've always been this way. My father made sure to instill in me the question stuff. Just question, ask questions. Nothing's wrong with asking questions. So I took that and ran with it. Because I, every time I turn around with the NFL, I'm asking questions. And I'm not getting any answers that make sense. Right? Y'all know how I feel about running backs. And I say, look, if there's an elite talent available, take them. Doesn't matter which position, because, yeah. You can find talent at the running back position in later rounds, but you can find talent at the quarterback position in later rounds. The linebacker position. In every position, you can do it. I know this. You ain't going to get, you're not going to get an Ezekiel Elliott that late in the rounds. You're not. You're going to have to show me the Tom Brady equivalent of running backs. You know, you could get a really good running back in the second round. Yeah. Absolutely. And there will be a case. My homeboy, shout out to my man Ian McCoy. He we were going back and forth this week, and he was telling me about CJ uh for the Rams, with CJ Anderson it was undrafted. And he's had three amazing games. He was an undrafted running back. And I would just be curious, you know. There are more Terrell Davises and C.J. Andersons. I shouldn't say there are more. I would say for every Terrell Davis, I'll give you a Kurt Warner. You know. There are a bunch of guys who are undrafted who've played well for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. It happens. Warren Moon is a Hall of Famer. He wasn't drafted. He had to go play in Canada. Nick Foles is a Super Bowl MVP. Russell Wilson been to more Super Bowls than Aaron Rodgers. And that's not to say don't draft a quarterback in the first round. If you find a quarterback that you value, take him. If you see a defensive back that you value, take him. But we just get caught up in the cliches. And the narratives, defenses don't win Super Bowls, except for last year and the year before that and the year before that and the year before that. Sean McVay is the new thing. We need the next Sean McVay. Except for Bill Belichick, Sean Payton and Andy Reid. They're the guys consistently, consistently taking their teams to the playoffs and making runs in the postseason. I hope we have some new fresh thinkers, innovators, not just offensive innovators, but just from a, a actual conceptualized, right? In, in macro level when it comes to this sport, because if you're playing a game where only the, where, where, where there's only three or four smart people, And everyone starts recycling the same old ideas, except for the three or four smart people. That's how you get the Patriots dynasty. That's how you get the Golden State Warriors dynasty. That's how you get the Lakers dynasty. Hopefully, in all sports, not just football, but in all sports, we get an influx of independent thinking and independent intelligent thinkers. All right, guys, you heard the horn long first half long first half thank you for rocking with me two quarters down two quarters to go before we get to the third quarter i just want to say a few things hit me up on email man email the show let me know your thoughts let me know what you agree with disagree with or things you want to hear me discuss on the quarterly report email me at quarterlyreport@gmail.com at gmail.com that's q-u-a-r-t-e-r-l-e-e report at gmail.com Also, you can tweet at me at Quarterly Show, again, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, show. Tweet me your thoughts, your suggestions, things that you hate, things that you love, or anything in between. Let me know that as well. Make sure you follow me on Instagram, man. Every other Monday throughout the NBA season, I'm going to do God's work, man. The best show, the best league, and merge them together. I'm comparing the best stars of the NBA to our favorite characters, from the best television show of all time, The Wire. Make sure you check out those Wire NBA comparisons on my Instagram page, along with other things, snippets from the show, and whatever else is on my mind. On Instagram, you can follow me at Quarterly Report. And while you're at it, head on over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave me a five-star review and write me a message let me, let your friends, let the world know why you love the quarterly report and why we are the best sports podcast out there. Yes, that is a humble brag, but I honestly feel it. Let me know what you love about the show. That type of stuff really does matter. All right, guys, because I've done so much talking in the first half, we do not have time for a halftime this week, but we will be back with a halftime next week. So without further ado, we're going to keep the show moving for our third topic. I teased this during the intro and y'all gotta understand man this is something near and dear to my heart something that is happening at an alarming rate and now they've gone too far I'm talking about renewing rebooting or doing a sequel to classics a little bit about myself my favorite movie of all time is bad boys the first one, Martin Lawrence, Will Smith. I'm talking about during the highs of Fresh Prince Martin. And it came on with the action flick. Man, I love that movie so much. I truly do. It's my favorite movie of all time. If Bad Boys is on, if it's on like HBO or you know a show that or a network that's going to air it the original way, the unedited version. I love Bad Boys. So you can imagine when Bad Boys 2 came out. I guess 10 years after the original, I was ecstatic. I was so excited. I'm early in the 20s. I haven't been, you know, jaded by society yet and laziness, if you will. And then Bad Boys 2 came out and it, I'm telling you, it was a punch to the gut. Slim, I hate Bad Boys 2 with a passion that could heat all of the planets of the zodiac, zodiac system. All of them. Pluto, I don't even know if Pluto's a planet anymore. But damn it, my hatred for bad boys 2 could warm pluto and you know i mean dog the, for those of you who don't understand cuz i know some of y'all bamas really like bad boys 2 and i'm just thinking to myself man who failed you who failed you as a as a youth as an adolescent as a young person to where you in your head can think a movie in which a singular FBI agent is taken captive in Cuba and the entire federal government will go to Cuba of all countries to rescue that one person. Stop it. (laughs) I don't even know how that movie got greenlit. I don't, but I digress. Bad Boys 2 literally has taken a spot in my mind, in my heart, in my soul about, rebooting or doing sequels to classics. I don't like it. I'm not a fan. So you can imagine how disgusted, how frightened, how upset I was when this past week, it came out that they were finally going to do a coming to America sequel. Slim. Y'all don't, I get it. I get it. Bad Boys is my favorite movie, but I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Bad Boys is this masterpiece of cinematic, you know, art. I'm not going to do that. I just enjoy it more than I enjoy any other movie. Coming to America is without question one of the best films made. All right. There's a difference. Bad Boys is my favorite. Coming to America is without question one of the best films made. I don't care. I will fight on that. There aren't too many comedies that can stand the test of time. Coming to America came out like 30 some odd years ago. If Coming to America comes on today, you still laugh. There are not that many movies that stand the test of time that way. Because when you think about how how, as a society, we have changed in terms of forget the PC thing, right? What is and what isn't. In bounds in terms of comedy, but just what we find funny, you know what I'm saying? Like certain jokes just go. When I was a little kid, you know what I'm saying? Andrew Dice Clay, he was a comedian. Think about all the co- comedians who would come up, and some of them have sustained, and some of them have come and gone. I mean, we've we've gone through the, you know, recently the Kevin Hart's and the Cat and Williams, you know, the Tiffany Haddishes. The Dame Cooks, the Sarah Silverman's. Obviously, we got the Chappelle's who, again, have timeless. Humor. Louis C.K., you know. Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld. These are guys who've been able to stand the test of time. Go look at some of Chris Rock's movies. Tell me if they are still funny to this day. Some of Chris Rock's movies weren't funny when they came out. You know, Chris Tucker, Martin, Bernie Mac, God bless the dead. He's someone who I feel his his comedy would have stood the test of time. We just don't know. But D.L. Hughley, come on. Cedric the Entertainer, come on. Steve Harvey, come on. It's not easy to put out a piece of, of comedic performance, a comedy. Put it out there and then stand the test of time. This came out in the 80s, bro. If you put coming to America on in 2019 to a child like a 10-year-old, 9-year-old, whatever the case may be, they're going to find it funny cuz that movie is that funny. Those type of those type of works, man, it just doesn't come along that often. So I hold coming to America with very much with very high regard. So I know a lot of people were excited When they saw that they were making a sequel. When I was terrified. Petrified. And it, to me, it just seems like a money grab. You know? It just seems like, yo, the people who are going to be in this movie, they were super on in the 80s. And, you know, recent times when it comes to, I'm not saying that Eddie Murphy's hurting, because he's not, you know what I mean? But... He ain't been on on like that. So I feel like this is kind of like a money grab. Like, yo, let's just make this sequel to this movie that so many people love. And man, I don't know, bro. I don't know. I don't like any parts of this. I'm going to see it, but I ain't going to see it immediately. I'm going to let y'all tell me what y'all think about it because I have a bad feeling about this. I mean, we talk like, you know, we're the same society Who gets upset when a player doesn't want to retire because, oh my gosh, you're going to ruin the legacy. You're going to ruin the legacy. Yet we, we don't have an issue when 30 some odd years later, a classic movie is going to get a sequel. Nah, Slim. I don't like anything about this. I was disgusted. I was horrified. I was terrified. I was worried, man. I clutched my coming to, I still got to come into America DVD. That's how, that's how much I love that movie. I have a DVD of Coming to America. I haven't tried to sell that off for a dollar and five cents at the CD Game Exchange, y'all know what I'm saying? I still got that movie. I clutched it. You know what I'm saying? Dog, I was, I was like, oh no, why on earth would they do this? This has an awful idea written all over it, but man, God bless them. I hope they get as much money as they possibly can. And I hope the movie is somewhat in the bar for coming to America too is so low because I know what time it is because of bad boys too, because of bad boys too. They talking about making a white man can't jump another versus stop it. Let my childhood go. Leave it alone, man. It's been hard enough. Don't ruin these movies that I love. Don't do it anymore. I don't want it. He got, I don't want it. He got game too. I don't want a white man can't jump to coming to America too. Don't do it. We saw Godfather three. We've seen Bad Boys two. What's next? You know what I'm saying? What are they going What are they going to do next? Glory two. You know what I'm saying? We are gonna talk about what happened after everybody died. Nah, Slim, let it leave it alone. Leave it alone, bro. All right, y'all. That was the third quarter. Very short quarter. I just had to get that testimony off, man, because that I'm serious. That hurt me. That hurt me for real, man. I, having night terrors, man. I, Arsenio Hall. Arsenio Hall brought his late late, late night show back <laughs> for like five months. Y'all remember that? It was like five five years ago. That just came back for like three four months, and it was done. What? And this is no shade to Arsenio. This is no shade to Eddie Murphy. I mean, what are we going to do? Eric LaSalle, man, he's been still working on his punch from ER for like two decades. Like what, are you, what is he going to do? What, 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 like what would be the dog? they making a boomerang TV show. I forgot all about. Stop it. We got new ideas. We've got so many creatives that run, will just walk the street. We're putting their stuff out on YouTube. We can do better. We don't have to microwave everything from decades earlier just to get, you know, some clout. Stop it. Stop it. 80s babies, man. Y'all ruining everything for us. Let's, let us let let us have what is near and dear to our hearts. And let us just remember them. Dog, if, they, if, if Netflix comes out with a Doogie Howser MD reboot, dog, it's over for everybody. You feel me? Stop it. Like, we got to draw a line here soon. All right, y'all. Again, I just had to get that off my chest. But don't worry. We're going to get back into the sports world with our fourth topic this week.
1: Fourth quarter.
0: A round of applause is in order for the Dallas Mavericks. Seriously. Yet, even though the Mavericks probably do not make the playoffs... They have turned their franchise in the trajectory of that team around but they are not the main reasons why and it all circles back to something that i've been harping on for weeks if not months you heard it two cba negotiations ago right market size oh my gosh these teams can't compete because how small markets we don't have the money They said that while Oklahoma City was best suited to dominate what the Golden State Warriors are now. The Oklahoma City Thunder were best suited to be that. Imagine having Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. The last time those three guys played on the same team, they were in the NBA Finals. And because Oklahoma City... Did not want to pay James Harden money. They let him go. They did not know how good James Harden was. And they sold low. And now he's doing things that no player outside of Wilt Chamberlain has done. That's not hyperbole. Also, the San Antonio Spurs went to two straight NBA finals winning one. Like, this is two of the smaller markets in the league. But that's what the spin was. Small owners, small markets can't win because, hey, guys, we don't have money. Players want to play in these large markets. This is the reason why there's no parody in basketball. And we ate that up. We ate that up because we always do. And then three years ago, recently, three years to now, it's now been, hey, look, man, the Players Association... They didn't want to scale the TV money. They didn't want to scale it. The, they wanted it all in once. And that's the reason why the Golden State Warriors are so dominant. Because, hey, look, guys, they got the players. The players got the money all at once. And we wanted to ease it in. We wanted to cap smooth. And so many people, people that I know, people that I talk to on a regular basis, people who I know are smart, they bought into that too. Ate it up. And I, I started this segment by looking at the Dallas Mavericks because no matter how the owners, no matter how the members of the media, the prominent men, members of the media want to slice it, the reason why the NBA is like this is because there are far too many dumb owners and dumb front offices. I know this, I know this very well. Because I am a Knicks fan who lives in Washington, D.C. who used to cover the Wizards. Okay? Two large markets. Two teams who have spent money yet don't know what they're doing. And I go to Dallas because the Dallas Mavericks were a team in disarray. They were in purgatory. They were... Not good enough to compete for a championship, but not bad enough to, even the years they miss the playoffs, they don't miss the playoffs so, you know, by much that they have an opportunity to snag in a legit number one player like Zion Williams. But hold on. They got Luka Doncic. How did they do that? They did it because not one, get my LeBron James on, not one, not two, but three teams ultimately passed on Luka. It was obvious. This is not revisionist history. Y'all can go back. It was obvious that the best player, the best prospect, the one player who I would bet the farm on, farm on, who could turn a franchise around was Luka. Now, I say that by also saying that DeAndre Ayton has played phenomenal basketball this season. Both things can be true. So I'm not even that upset with Phoenix because for a lot of reasons, he playing him playing in Arizona, obviously having a tie. They went with DeAndre Ayton. I'm not going to beat on the Suns as much as the other teams. I'm not going to do it. You can't. And again, I can recognize that DeAndre Ayton is having an amazing season and has the looks of a player who's going to be a phenomenal basketball player for years to come and and still say Luka was the best prospect. Luka should have went number one. And if the Suns didn't want to take Luka number one, they should have traded back. So Dallas doesn't have a top three pick. Dallas still gets the best player in the draft. Arguably the best prospect to come out into the NBA since LeBron James. Again, this is not hyperbole. You can't blame that on market size. Sacramento could have drafted him. Phoenix could have drafted him. You can't blame that on market size. You can't blame that on television money. (laughs) Everybody, like, This is the point that I'm trying to make owners and members of the media. Hell, some of your own friends will try to spin things after the fact. But there is no way around the point. There is no way you can get around the simple fact when it comes to the NBA. Yes, there are only a handful, maybe at the most two handfuls of great elite talents. So that is always going to spin the favor to them in terms of winning, in terms of dynasty. The best players, the truly elite players will always have more say on who wins. And because there's only a few of those in the league that is going to reduce the number of teams who can win. But that's not the biggest issue when it comes to the lack of parity in basketball. Because no no way, there's no way that you can cut it. There's no way else around the simple fact that the teams are being run by people who do not know what they are doing. There is no reason Luka Doncic should have been a Dallas Maverick. And with that one move, Dallas has changed the fortunes of their future and they didn't have to tank. They didn't have to lose on purpose. In fact, one of the reasons why Dallas is such a, a fascinating team this season is because they have surrounded Luca with players who are trying to win. Mark Cuban is spending a lot of money. He gave Wesley Matthews a lot of money. He gave DeAndre Jordan a lot of money. He gave Harrison Barnes a lot of money. He lucked in to Luca. And the only reason he lucked into Luca is because other teams are dumb and we're not done yet because now the Dallas Mavericks have realized, yo, this guy we drafted last year Dennis Smith Jr he's not good he checks all the boxes everything that people say they like in an NBA player he can dribble he can jump he's fast he can dunk but what does that what does that really do what does that really mean he's not uh he's not a, an incredibly efficient player he's shooting 44 percent. from three this season, I believe, which is fine for a second-year player, fine. He's improved in that regard, but he's not scoring. Doesn't rebound, doesn't pass, doesn't defend. And he takes shots away, or at least he was taking shots away from the best player on your team. So now the Mavericks wisely are like, yo, we're going to trade him. And look at all the teams who are running Running for the opportunity to pay and play a player who is not good. I know all too well. Y'all heard early in the show. The Knicks have been rumored as front runners to get a Dennis Smith Jr. package. The Phoenix Suns, remember them? Also in the mix. Almost all the Orlando Magic. All the teams who are consistently bad are the teams who want Dennis Smith Jr. This is not a coincidence. This is not a coincidence. Bad teams continue to employ bad front offices, which continue to give them bad results. This is not hard. So, yes, because there are only a few LeBrons and Giannis and Kawhis and Stephs and KDs that plays a part into why there are only a few champions. Absolutely. I am not saying otherwise. However, in my opinion, a reason that's even larger than that is because the reason there is a lack of competitive balance, that there is a reason, a reason of a lack of, of, of parity in the league, is because most teams don't know what they're doing and they are run by awful front office execs. The New Orleans Pelicans have had Anthony Davis for what? Seven years now. The best player they have pl- parted him with is Drew Holiday. That is inexcusable. Dell Dips still has his job. Dale Dips drafted Austin Rivers with the 10th pick in the draft. You cannot make this stuff up. Before LeBron went to Miami, Cleveland had LeBron... For seven years, the best player they paired him up with was Anderson Varejao. Again, you can't blame market size for that. You can't blame TV money for that. They failed. We talked about how the Wizards got to this position. There was a failure. Look look at what the Wizards were, were at, right? They lost in Game 7 to the Boston Celtics. And they gave everybody on that team essentially a race. John Wall, Supermax, Otto, Max, Bill was already in his max, but so I think he just got it. The team who won that series traded Isaiah Thomas, traded Avery Bradley, traded Jay Crowder, did not re-sign Kelly Olynyk. It is not a coincidence that one of those two teams were being run by Danny Ainge, the other team run by Ernie Grunfeld, And I'm not picking on the Wizards. Let's take my beloved New York Knicks. We had to stretch Joe Kim Noah's contract because we thought it was smart to pay him $17 million a year when he was washed. We then go to pay Tim Hardaway Jr. $17 million a year after we traded him. Go down the list of the bad teams in this league. And it is not because of market size. I just gave you the New York Knicks. One of the richest owners in the league. The biggest market in the NBA. Got all the money. So, so what would be the excuse? Especially when you then look at what's going on in Brooklyn. Brooklyn was also one of these awful teams who kept on doing the dumb things. Trading multiple picks. For washed up players who were not as good as their perceived value. They went through hell. Got Billy King the F up out of there. And now Sean Marks has made subtle, smart, disciplined move. One after another after another. And now look at where the Nets are. They don't need to trade one of their bad contracts to get space for two max players like my Knicks. The Nets already can offer two max contracts this offseason without having to train anyone because they were disciplined. The Nets don't have to squint hard and think, man, our young players maybe can grow to be something special. Maybe we can use them as trade bait like the Lakers. No, no, no. The Nets' young players are actually good. And they already signed. So when all these two guards get... 19 million, 20 million, $25 million a year because they put up 20 points. Look at what Spencer Dinwiddie has just signed. He signed an $11 million annually deal. You compare him to some of these players, these two guards, these 25-year-old two guards who score a lot of points and look at their numbers side by side. I'm not saying Bradley Bill isn't better than Spencer Dinwiddie. He absolutely is. Is he $16 million better? I'm not saying Jimmy Butler isn't better than Spencer Dinwiddie. He absolutely is. See, twenty million dollars better. I'm not saying C.J. McCollum isn't better than Spencer Demolee. I actually do think Spencer Denverly is better than C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum makes twenty some odd million dollars. Adam Levine, twenty some million dollars. Discipline, intelligence, knowing the value of your player and knowing the market value. Look at what the Nets did. The Nets got rid of the dumb front office exec, hire someone smart and instant, not instantly because there was a, such a huge hole to dig out of. But relatively in a small amount, amount of time, look at what the Nets are doing. That has nothing to do with market size. It has nothing to do with TV money. It has everything to do with knowing what the hell you're doing. Unfortunately, the same teams do the same things and then act surprised when they get the same results. So then they start pointing the finger. No, it's not because of the cap smoothing. That's not why my Knicks are awful. The Wizards aren't in this predicament because of market size. The Chicago Bulls aren't in their position because of market size. The Orlando Magic does have, has nothing to do with the cap smoothing as to why they're awful. The Golden State Warriors were just smart. They were smarter than most teams, and they realized what everybody else did. Oh, man, we're about to get a lot of money. Why not make the pitch to Kevin Durant? Oklahoma City allowed that to happen because they traded James Harden for Kevin Martin, Stephen Adams, and a bunch of and a bag of chips. Don't blame anybody for that. That's on you. You got to wear that. So when the trade deadline comes, and the Orlando Magic stay the Orlando Magic, the New York Knicks stay the New York Knicks, the Phoenix Suns stay the Phoenix Suns. Don't blame anything. Don't blame anyone realize that this is the nba this has always been the nba this will always be the nba yes there are only a finite number of amazing elite top tier talents and they are the ones who ultimately will decide who wins and loses and who hoists the larry o'brien trophy but more so than that there is a lesser number of elite intelligent top-notch front offices and they more so than the players are the ones who determine. Because Anthony Davis can go to New Orleans, but they don't know what they're doing with them. LeBron James can get drafted to Cleveland, but they don't know what they're doing with them. Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, all could be drafted to Oklahoma City, but they don't know what they're doing with them. Don't blame the cap. Don't blame the market size. Blame the Phil Jacksons. Blame the Dell Demps, blame the Ernie Grunfelds, the Billy Kings, the John Paxtons. These are the guys who deserve the blame. And until we make sure they own up to it and get rid of them the way Billy King had to own up and got rid of in Brooklyn, you're going to get the same results. All right, guys, man, hopefully you like the result of today's show. Thank you all for listening and rocking with me for another episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. We will be back here next Thursday with a bigger and better show. But before I head on out of here, make sure you guys head on over to Apple Podcasts iTunes, Leave me a five-star review and tell me, your friends, and the world why you love the Quarterly Report podcast. Why the Quarterly Report podcast is the best sports podcast in the nation. I truly believe that. But I'd love to see if you guys believe it as well. Also, make sure you follow me on Twitter. I'm at Quarterly Show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Also, email me. Email me at QuarterlyReport at gmail.com, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Report at gmail.com and follow me on instagram at quarterly report this upcoming monday brand new wire nba comparison video guys want to make sure you check that out as well all right guys hopefully you guys have a great safe weekend happy martin luther king day on monday and i will see you back here next thursday on the quarterly report